Alright, let's see what our haul is here. And it seems like excess stock is harder to find at these places these days. Well, you know, th th there's a couple things I don't recognize. Well, it's because, like, they're getting a lot of the exostock, um, was already, like, pre-import, like, it was imported items in the original, like, universe, so they're brands that we yeah, wouldn't recognize yeah. anyway, sort of thing, but it's from, it just happened. It <laughs> yeah, it sometimes can be hard to tell just, like, overstock shit they get from, like, other regional chains I'm just not familiar with, or like someone from like a dollar store or something. Sure, right? if it's like it's like a, sn a Snickers bar that's got Cyrillic written on it. It's like, is this from Russia yeah, or is this yeah. from like Russian America from another timeline? It, yeah, it doesn't exactly, matter exactly. And then you, and then you taste it, and it turns out they're using pine nuts instead of peanuts, and it throws the whole thing away. Okay, the quiet yeah, taste. All right, taste. what do we got here? What do we got here? Okay. Um, okay, this game control has three prongs. Uh, I don't think this is an N64. So, uh, some fucked up universe where they decided to stick N63. with that. N63. Oh, alright. Huh. Shit. The prequel. It's from the universe where they brought out, um, Nintendo game systems, the same way that Apple brings out iPhones. Mmm, alright, alright. Well, that's obnoxious. Okay, we got Coke negative one. Well, that's a good one. If you, if you, if you, it's, yeah, it's like yeah. it's like you're drinking a coke in reverse, which isn't a quiet taste. Oh yeah, no, that uh, that that's a that is an unpleasant sensation. Mm. I think no, I, is that salt? I, I I think they may have just like filled this with something that like dehydrates you. I know that it's got the um I, I can't remember what it's called. It's a reverse of sparkling water, but like instead of like being like having the carbonation in it. It draws like you, like you basically have to take a breath before you drink it, so that the carbonation like comes right. from your lungs into the liquid in your mouth. It, it's a thing, but if you don't, <laughs> well, I know, I get it, I get it, right? Like you know, this is a universe where instead of like any asphyxiation-related kinks are like relegated to the domain of the bedroom, they just marketeers figured out like, oh, a lot of people are doing this shit. Let's make products that appeal to that That's demographic. Right. People that like the sensation of being a little bit breathless. Sure, uh, I get it, I get it. They legalized whippets after Prohibition. <laughs> <laughs> Those are dark times, Thompson. They were. Um, did you check out the game section? Yeah, okay. I found this. So the fact that the Allmark had any Unknown Armies content at yeah. all... It, do it doesn't exist uh, in most timelines. This me to, like, this is some extra stock. Yeah, they don't print this shit anymore. Two, uh, I think this is like a compilation of the campaign starter kits that we just got as PDFs. Oh, yeah, nice. In our timeline? Some, uh... Shit. Man, you remember those? Campaign starter kits? Um, yes, vaguely. I, I yeah. remember one of them. Well, actually, no, I remember all of them in great detail. Um, so, I never actually used any of these. Did you ever use any of these? I did, and guess which one I used. Like, you actually, like, ran it? Yes. Oh, Raiders of the Lost Mar would be my guess. That's the That's one. That's the one. I ran, it, I ran it once yeah. for some people. Um, it's, it's a good all one. Right. It's the one that How'd is... How'd that go? Yeah. It was fine. It was good. It's like an easy... It's an easy setting to grok, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got... It's got a... 
it's got an easy elevator pitch in a way out of and this is an issue with a lot of the campaign starter kits is that well they they actually the elevator pitches for these are okay but they don't really reflect what you get i don't they feel. skew a bit too high concept sometimes i think they do but they also pull their punches um yeah very they're very like some of them are very um well, actually, maybe one of them is very much like of the setting of the like the law in a way that's a bit too much. Yeah, yeah, or just I don't know, like it, it's it's weird. They'll either like not use the law at all, which I'm fucking fine. That's with. fine. I don't Absolutely really, fine. Like, care. Yeah. Um, but sometimes when they go more in that direction, I saw it was kind of like, all right, this just feels like something from any urban fantasy game, almost. Perhaps. And there's the ones that lean too much into the lore, and then it's like, all right, this is just kind of getting bogged down in the nitty gritty of like, you know, if you want to have like an anti-natural faction or like a natural suppressant faction or whatever in your fucking campaign, you don't need to use the sleepers necessarily. You know, they're, they're ah. nice. It's a pre-packaged sort of group for you to use, but there's other shit you could use too if you want. Come up with your own thing. Well, yeah, I would say I don't know about that. Like they, they some one of them uses blue light, one of them uses other things. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's like if we speak too broadly, we could probably get into some detail. But like, yeah, what... yeah. So I've read a few. I, I I read a few of these as we were kind of shopping around. Um, I went through Raiders of the Lost Mart because I never, you know, that's the one people actually seem to like, and I've never actually read it myself. Sure. I read Derby Girls Destroy DC, yeah, and it looks like Ben's was in here too. Um, fucking, oh, good. What is that one called? Um, the one about the like weird car crash afterlife. Ah, uh, yes, that's good. That's from the timeline where um, Australians are no longer oppressed. Uh, yeah, just called the wasteland. <laughs> the violence inherent in the system. Uh, I mean, yeah. Speaking of which, um, you seem to have like a better handle on these ones than I did. I only ever really skimmed these because. I'll I'll speak honestly. I've never used a campaign starter kit, nor sure. nor has the really the ideal the idea especially ever appealed to me. Even like reading through Raiders of the Lost Mart, I was like, "There's some cool stuff in here." Yeah, I still got issues with it, and I, I tend to look towards pre-written stuff like this as a way to just save labor, right? Right, and that's kind of one of the things with these is they don't really save you that much labor. I'm wondering if, like, part of the logic of this was um, a bit of um, being ca overly cautious about the what was ended up being third edition's killer app, which was the corkboarding system, and thinking like, "Oh, are people going to want to do the corkboarding? Now we need to have some pre-prepared stuff that people can just run through." And it's like, no, the corkboarding is the best part. Like, don't like unless. Like the problem I have with these is that they don't. Okay, so do you want to do we want to get into the nitty gritty on like individual campaign story yeah, kits, or do we yeah. want to discuss the overarching like yes, or overarching scenes on them first? Which we do we want to do first? Uh, maybe we should go over them one by one first, so we could like have some yeah, context about yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. So yeah, well, you, I, I know you've read some of these recently too. Which have you gone through? Um, I have read Heroin Highway. And I read the Young right. Practicals. I read that one a while ago, but I, I like I think I vaguely remember some details of it. Young Practicals, uh, Karmic Ties and Fifth Wheels, uh, Sacred Farmer, 
and the violence inherent in the system. And I also read uh, Derby Girls Destroy DC, uh, which was uh, probably my favorite. So, I guess I can go through these and sort of... Um, Maybe I could sort of like sell you on these a little bit, or not even sell you, but like. All right, yeah, give me the them. elevator pitches for these. Why should I run these instead of my own shit? You shouldn't, but um, <laughs> that doesn't mean that, <laughs> right. Uh, Great start, Thompson. Doesn't really mean, sell me on this. It doesn't mean that they're not. It doesn't mean they don't have things that are in here which are interesting or worth sure, looking at. Sure. We're stealing for your own thing, even if you don't run the whole thing, the thing whole cloth. Right. So still, you know, even if you don't use the whole quilt, you can still see a little couple patches from it. Yes, exactly. So we have the first one I'm going to talk about, um, Heroin Highway, um, mm-hmm. is one in which you play uh, members of a recovery group, an addiction recovery group, in a uh, depressed town in uh, Massachusetts uh, called Lockport. Right, And they're brought together by... Not just addiction, but the recent death of a young of a loved one mm-hmm. that leads them onto a um, a path um, to discover who is the nefarious uh, group that is uh, bringing uh, drugs into town, um, bringing opioids into yeah. America. Um, and is it just the drug companies? No, it, it's it's wizards. Um, <laughs> Well, <laughs> do the wizards work for the drug companies? Not in this one. Not in this particular one. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. God damn it! So it's it's not just like Johnson and Johnson. Or, that, no, like that, that, the, the shit writes itself. That, you have Johnson and Johnson. They're both wizards, <laughs> and they both charge from getting people to take fentanyl. Right. Well, they do have this thing uh, where there's going to be this is this is spoilers territory, people. Spoilers upon us. Yeah. Um, I know, our podcast is very GM-facing. I think it's fine. Well, the local big bad, um, his name Mama Cass, Mama Cass, Mama Cass, um, and right. she's sort of like this, uh, was a hippie that became a narco-alchemist, but there's no, no narco-alchemy rules are included in this starter kit, nor in the main game for third edition. Mm. Oh, well. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And she is behind, I think she's behind, one of her minions is behind the death of their friend. Actually, I, 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 can't, I can't remember. It's, it's, it's sort of weird. Like, I've noticed with some of these things where, like... How long ago did you read these? Like, yesterday. All right. Well, you can't remember. I think it was, yeah, it was one of her minions that did it. But there's also another bigger bad, like, in the background called the Magus, who only appears on TV. And one thing I think is kind of fun is that he... Um, because he's like a, a distant threat, um, the game, the, the campaign starter kit just says, we'll treat him like a demon, which I think, that's yeah. cool, that's fun. I like that idea. Like, it just is a, that's a very small thing. Um, yeah. But they've got the description of the town and places around, and like, um, like what's the, the local high school, there is some, uh, the mysterious locker that doesn't open because a kid hung himself in the 80s and it's lolling to some ghosts and that's fine and there's like the math teachers fucking his students and addicted to fentanyl or something and there's an old mill and a dying main street and a pond with the ghost of a witch in there and and an Allmart um, with a a weird there uh, you go the Allmart is cool because it has this guy called Mad William who is a it's described as like he's he's a crazy guy 
who's allowed to hang around there because he does like favors for the store manager but he's kind of like a he can give specific he says uh he can uh use gutter magic and cast rituals for people that come and like ask him to i guess he's just like a weird like uh like for, in terms of if you're starting with a low level campaign with no one you don't know anything i like he's the kind of character that's kind of fun um this weird guy squatting in a food court that can do fucking magic that's it's fun that's cool yeah that's cool. He, he he's he's the guy that's like the unknown army spin on like the merlin right yeah. he, he, this is what you're in this setting this is what your magical mentor looks like it, it, can, it can be used as that yeah yeah and that's what I kind of like. He's like, it's, it's, it's a, cute, a clue dispenser, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. There is, like, the whole um, the process that's described of um, finding, of, like, how they solve the mystery of... Um, again, this is one of those ones where, like, the point of it is to solve a mystery. And I know we have a difference of opinion in terms of, like, how good Anonami's is for procedural stuff. Um, my problem yes. with using Anonami's for procedural stuff is it's so... The milestones become so passive... They become like find this out and then do find out this and find out that and it's fine, but I don't know. It's missing something for me. I prefer the more active. Again, my my key thing that I say needs to be present for a mystery to work if you're using the milestone system is you gotta have the objective be not find the killer or whatever. It needs to be convince someone in a position of authority who the killer is that's the key difference yeah sure in in fact the actual objective they have isn't find the mystery or solve the mystery of their dead friend it is stop the flow of illegal opioids into lockport massachusetts um but it starts Damn, off with all right an i mean i, I kind of like that it, like that is a very solid objective though right mm-hmm. like that that's one with like you you, you know you have a definite win condition there it's not something vague it's not like find out where the opiates were coming it's like all right we have this problem let's fucking stop it yep yep and you know this takes taking our small massachusetts town and having it bubble off into a separate reality then so be it <laughs> that's one way to do it it's one way to do yeah. it so yeah it's basically um investigating the death of your friend until it leads you to... How are the milestones? Because that's the thing. That's a solid objective. How are the milestones to get there? Uh, the milestones to get there, they start off with mainly um, yeah, investigating, like finding things out about your friend, like compiling a list of suspects, and that leads you to um, the minion of the main big bad, and then um, just figuring things out, and then having a big confrontation um like it's it's all revelations until a confrontation which is Uh this is my sort of issue with it it's like that setup i don't like as much as like i want people to i want like revelations to come in the process of the pcs actively um generally i agree i know it's like do the milestones feel like they effectively build up to the goal of okay we're stopping the flow of fentanyl into our town one of the possible milestones listed is find out that mary was pregnant when she was murdered i'm like how yeah, no, this how? is something this is something i noticed when i was reading a lot of these too is that these milestones seem to be much they like they aren't player facing at all no no um and there's like some people keep those milestones in the background 
and that's one way to do milestones is just have the GM tick them off. But I'm like, no, that's not how it should be. It's like yeah, you know, but that's not how, not how like yeah, it's not how it's designed. Also, that sucks for the players because they don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, milestones are great because they give you an actionable goal to work towards in the short term that helps contribute towards your long term goal. Yes. Yes, and like that's, that's one of the biggest difficulties of running a good sandbox campaign in any system is like mm-hmm. yeah. giving players short-term things to do. Yep, that yeah. can work towards something larger. Sure, and my issue is this: like you're you're playing the same sort of game as you, when you're playing, like say, Toll of Cthulhu or Delta Green, anything like that, where you've got yeah. like your list of things, then like they're gonna find them <laughs> they're gonna find these things and it's all about like leading them to find it and feeling like they're finding it themselves which i do enjoy but even, like, a good <laughs> even a good like investigation scenario generally has like hooks right they, they, they have hooks in terms of like all right here's the thing you need to find out more about and then you start looking into that and that branches off into like it's- other things you want to find the answers to and have the sense of how to get those answers and so on. Yeah, sure. Again, long, short-term goals that build up to a long-term objective. Right, right. Well, here it's more like they've given like potential like leads and people you can like get yeah. information from, like Mad William in the food court and Abigail the witch ghost and the the cops and things yeah. like that, and then leading it to dealing with the the big bad who is a narco alchemist. I, I can fuck with that for weird hippie fennel narcoalchemist that is, it's you fine, know, it's fine. turns it's, it's out good. to be the source of this stuff instead of, uh, like, Johnson & Johnson. My issue with it, and it's, like, it's clearly written in a way that's meant to, like, um, uh, like really talk about deep, like, effect issues affecting the world, and that's fine. Um, but it's taken a approach that's kind of, like, serious in a way, which is good, but also kind of lacking. The characters, I feel, because they're all um, they're all meant to be the same addiction groups. They're all addicts, right? Um, yeah. So we've got one who is a... And they're not bad off, on the face of it. We've got one who is a um, avatar of the guide, also avenging soccer mom uh, type person, uh, who's fine. It's sure. fine. Boring, but fine. We have this uh, a weird cop that is in trouble for beating people up too much and he's an alcoholic um we have the uh marine self-destructive uh marine vet again fine we have the hot ex-con avatar of the mother which is kind of interesting um probably the most interesting combination All right. there. sure ex-con milf okay ex-con milf. that's cool and we've got a an a and a, a goth bookworm, and she. This is the. Uh, this is what annoys me. This one, Six Finnegan, is the only one who actually has an identity addict, even though they're all meant to be addicts. And it feels like, oh, I don't know what to put with this one. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's sort of the thing. I think with like portraying addiction and is like, okay, you need to think kind of hard about how the role playing game system of your choice would best handle that sort of thing mechanically. Ab- Absolutely. You know, when you're dealing with addiction, that's like your the priorities in your brain are getting fucking hijacked. Like that's your your pro, your your sense of what you are supposed to do, of what the your first goal in life is, your hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Right. 
the food, sleep, health, all that shit, the bottom of that gets pushed up a little bit, and then below that, even in a lot of cases, is, you know, fucking score. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I, I do think UA has a good way of handling that and just, you know, tie it into the fear passion. Your fear, I don't score. Maybe, maybe, but even then, it, it's too passive. UA3 does have mechanics for addiction, but they're, you know, they're tied into, like, failing, having five failed notches, which yeah, it's, I don't think it's kind of weird. No, I don't think it's yeah. necessary. I would say that if this one, if you're going to make them all addicts, have some rules for their addiction. Have their addiction sure. as, like, a demon that coerces them, or maybe, like, mechanically right. speaking, um, like, an ever-increasing, like, the longer you go without scoring, the, um the coercion gets more and more like higher and stronger and stronger um that could I work i think you could handle that with fear i think you could handle that with fear like it's just yeah the, the longer you go the higher the check related to your fear is yeah it's yeah it's sort it of the same thing. Be a helplessness i'm just thinking of like treating it as as if it was an entity i do think that's a really cool framing device for a cabal because it's like all right even before we pursue our milestones and objectives all right, everyone, let's pull our money together to get some fucking blues. Well, they're meant to be in, a, like, a um, the recovery program, and they're sort of treated as, right. like, ex-addicts in a way, which is... And like So you have to sort of role-play. Mm. Like, there's a lot of in the fluff of the description of the characters. They talk about, like, well, they could fall back, they could go back, or they're heading on a down a bad path easily, but it's like... What's, their, it's not what's the character and mechanical motivation for that? Right, is not other than just okay. I want to generate drama with my character. Yeah, there's no it's 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 role play only uh, for the most part, yeah, and I yeah. don't and I think that's a missed opportunity. I I'd say you know honestly, and maybe this is just our sensibilities skewing a bit like edgy or whatever, but you know remove the support group structure and just be like, all right, you know you are a group of people that have through the sort of networks involved with drug sales and use gone to know each other and you guys support each other in your habits you guys do drugs together that's that's perfect because even within the um the included locations like you're supposed to, you're meant to start yeah. off at a uh, 36 recovery center yeah. and but instead there's, well, there's also a place uh, the rail tunnel where all the addicts go um and there's like a one cool element there's uh, back in the 60s a hippie named george tried drilling a hole in his head to see the truth of the cosmos it didn't work and he died his skull is still down here sure. covered in mud and leaves a couple yeah, man everyone's fucking tried that at one point or another right a couple of local addicts consider him an oracle and claim to commune with george Walt when high very very high that's yeah. a that's a cool stuff that's a I, I prefer that as a starting setting, like having George, like you all commune with George sort of thing. Um, have yeah. the um, the recovery center there, maybe if you need it. Like, like but you, but your perp, the purpose is, like it's, it's like having an objective which is hidden behind another objective because you start off like what like the motivation is who killed our friend, and then it sort of yeah. naturally evolves into. Like stop the spread of illegal opioids, but then it's also like, but you are addicts after all. Maybe you don't, like, maybe you. Yeah, or if you're <laughs> addicts, it could be stop the spread and you know overcome your worst instincts. You know, maybe there's a campaign arc where you guys together overcome your addiction. That's really interesting. Sure. Or as or there's to, a choice. Like, it only happened. 
Yeah, but- there's a choice of yeah, like do we overcome our addiction and stop this to save the community, or do we just like use this as a way to get a steady supply? Yeah, of shit? Corner the flow of illegal opioids, uh, which yeah, is yeah. It's a perfectly it's an option. Yeah, and having that like instead of putting on a lot of like a railroad to like redemption, have the choice there. Because the whole, like, the nefarious scheme is to do with, um, there's, a, there's an underused element um, involving uh, ley lines and Sir Walter uh, Raleigh, 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 I can't know if his name. Um, Sir Walter Raleigh, yeah. yeah. And, and, like, um, the connection between this. What step- are ley lines if not just guyish track marks? That's right. <laughs> oh, God. See, that's, that's, that's an interesting thought. But it's all linked with um, Roanoke. In a, in a, well, it's meant to be. There's one reference of it, and how Roanoke was used okay. as. Yeah, a, it's in New England. Of course, you got to throw in like some some classic urban legends and mysteries related to related to the region's history. Sure, but it's like it says that Roanoke was an unfortunate experiment by um, uh, like Sir Walter Raleigh for like sacrifice for power to create a um, a, uh-huh. a, a, le- a ley line network, and now the new ones are doing it. The Magus is doing it again with. Uh, drug overdoses like there's, there's a mention of like that mama Cass has figured out how to get fucking major charges for every overdose she causes which is whoo that's a wild level that, wow, okay yeah that, that i don't think they've really fully thought out the implications of what they of of what that power gives you because damn all right that's really strong and that's really great um yes. if that would make mama Cass insa- like insanely powerful and I mean, it sort of makes sense. I know it'd be really helpful on this. What? If there are actual mechanics for necrocrawling, Kevin. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, um, that the two things that would improve this is if there was rules for necroalchemy, and or even just say like, well, Mama Cass is just so fucking powerful that like we don't even bother with the rules. She's out here making like insane shit. But yeah, at least yeah. like have yeah, I think addiction rules would have helped and give this a yeah. bit of oomph. Yeah. Um, or I mean, I guess better addiction rules because again, UA three does technically have those. Yeah, like like addiction rules appropriate to this particular setup. Uh, unless you just want to make all the starter characters just super damaged people that have a five failed notches in one of their, or at least at some point had five failed notches in one of their stress meters. Uh, they, they don't. They don't like. Okay. No, one I of them has. Did not expect them. One to. of them together has like three, three, one, one. Next one, 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 one. <laughs> Next one, two, three, three, one. You don't two. need to give me the gory details. Like, like, like okay, you, it, it doesn't matter. The, the issue isn't like, oh, they, they, they're addicts, but you know, according to subsection five of chapter three of the book one. Uh, this is how addiction is handled. No, like the, the issue is it's not something the players actually have to worry about when they're playing these games. Unless they choose to. Um, which is... Yeah, unless they choose to. But no, like there, there should be some sort of mechanical pressure this situation creates. Right. Yeah. And I don't think there's much, like, not much um, consideration given to the possibility that the players are going to do anything other than, like, try to disrupt this plan and try to stop it. Like, no, there's... Like... Yeah... It's just like they either win or lose or it ends in a draw. It's like, what if they just go like, oh, we'd like to join you, Mama Cass, and the Magus. Um, we like power. Uh, let's all become Nakoa. We, we like opiates. <laughs> we like opiates. and opiates. We like power. We like opiates. I think we can come to an agreement here. 
Yeah, and I think that would have added some more complexity to this because it sort of feels off. I, I agree. Ori- originally, like when I was reading it, and I knew that I was going to talk some shit about it, but I felt kind of bad. I'm like, ah, oh, this is this is written in such serious intent. This game, this particular campaign, is not a kid, but I still don't like it. It's still boring. I'm sorry, um, but I think it's because it's just not. It doesn't have the complexity it could have to make it worth its while. Yeah. Sure. Um, the the most frustrating kind of read is the one where you can see how it could be improved. Oh yeah, uh, that's like half of unknown armies. Wrong, but so now after we just spent like the past fifteen minutes, uh, tearing listing. Who wrote this? Oh, um, this was written by Chris Lights, who has worked on. The uh, Mutant Chronicles done a bunch of Conan, the bar bit like Conan uh, game for Modifius Entertainment. All right, all right. Infinity, the role playing game. It looks like Modifius stuff, and uh, he's done some stuff for Free League more recently. I can't believe he just didn't like could just draw draw on his wealth of knowledge and just have one character who's clearly Conan the addict. Uh, it's just Conan the Barbarian, but he's on fentanyl. Um, and uh, sure. just lean into the whole like the the darkness of sword and sorcery, but also it's just in a fucking decaying town. That already has got me. That's already like I'm like eh, that's more fun. You can have all the seriousness and also the silliness, which I think you need a combination of like absurdity with the seriousness. I get you. I guess um, you don't have to. I know, you like you to. know, that you you, you I, I'm with you. That's my sort of preferred. Uh, yeah, other people have different strokes. Mode of play, and it tends to, you know, like, e- even when you're doing something uh, about, like, a very serious topic, when things uh, encounter players, they have a way of getting a bit goofier. Yeah, sure. That would have been, like, yeah, So, like, you might as well lean into that. Yeah, you don't have to. You can just keep it as, as it is, and the goofiness will just come out. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to run that game. Maybe you don't want to run a serious game. But I still think yeah. that you know it, it just it. it depends on what your players are into. All right, so what do we got next? What do we got next? And let's uh, after you give us the title, tell me uh, who wrote it. All right, um, so the next one we'll cover this at the beginning. Uh, the Young Practicals, written by W. J. McGuffin, who's a real person. That is, I can't believe that's not a pseudonym. It might be could be a pseudonym for but mcguffin is a perfectly cromulent name uh they've got a linkedin and everything uh, mongoose publishing looks like what he's worked on has primarily been paranoia and the laundry which is yeah fair enough you know those both have kind of like a particular tone mm-hmm. that i, I, I would think of as overlapping i wouldn't like you know to... very sort of bureaucratic satirical and bureaucratic I don't know if I'd really get to... Like, because I found, like, looking at what other stuff that these people have done, there's not really much you can say, like, oh, this is the certain type of person. Like, no, mm. no, it's not. It's, they, uh, they're, they're, these are writers. In, like, yeah, that's sort of the thing. It's it's rarely that, like, you write for a given RPG line because it's, like, a particular set of themes that you find especially well, interesting. Well, people can like different themes. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it's not like it's sort of like a... Just because someone's, like, worked on the laundry and paranoia doesn't mean, like, oh, a satire and dysfunctional bureaucracy are two themes I'm especially interested in. It doesn't mean they're not interested in them, but largely the 
decisions being made on, like, all right, what publishers will give me a contract? Yeah. Who is willing to pay me? That's right. Give me money, please. Please help me pay my rent. All right, so the uh, sort of elevator pitch for this is that all the members of the cabal are part of a larger cabal, a small new cabal called the Young Practicals. Um, uh-huh. And um, they are in conflict with the same person, um, the same guy, uh, who, uh, and each of them is guilty of a horrible deed that could ruin them and their reputation. Um, it's all linked with that one guy. Um, okay. That's and, solid. That's solid. Yep. And basically, they are fighting to for control of this. Uh, place the objective is to prevent Frank Hovat from turning the, n- the Young Practicals into something truly evil. Now, the, what the Young Practicals are is mm, that—that's a bit ambiguous to me, as far as an objective goes. It is, and I have a problem with it. Um, uh, I do too. You, you want something that concrete to work towards, I think. Mm-hmm. So the Young Practicals—they are a movement um, of people who believe that. Looking at society, there are people who get by. They like they get an advantage because they're hot, or they get an advantage because they got money or background or whatever. So why shouldn't right. we use magic to get ahead in life? Is that unfair? No, it's only practical, which is fine. It's like it's a sort of loose, like sort of idea of just like let's use uh, magic to be successes. It's not really um, explored that much. Um, in this in the campaign starter kit, it's more about like dealing with their rival, um, who's Frank Hovat, who knows bad things about them, but and he's meant to be like a great threat because he's going to turn the young practicals into something truly evil, and that's mentioned several times. But when, in his character description, he it's described as he sees the young practicals as weak and misguided, a group that could blossom and help the disenfranchised get what they deserve. And also, he's a cathartomancer, which you can sort of see how it could like go in a bad direction. But like as written, he's like, well, he's what are like where's his concrete goals? <laughs> what is he actively trying to do? Like he's trying to f- fuck with the players, and that's bad. And also take over the the player group. Like well, I, I like that framework overall of like, all right, there's this guy. He has dirt on all of us, so fuck yeah. him. Let's deal with him somehow. That's absolutely a good framework. That is something I think that who was it I remember talking about it. Like maybe it was Robin Laws talking about using it in some game where you have everyone um, choosing like the, the 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 main the big bad has something. You all have a reason. Like, what's your reason for hating the big bad? Yeah sort of thing as something that ties it together because having a mutual enemy is one of the best ways to have a group stick together. Absolutely. And that's why I think that some of these... The problem is PCs that are provided are kind of messy. They all have either three or four identities, which is always <laughs> already... I, I, if players want to do that, it's fine, but it's like it makes it a bit... Um, weird like i don't have any inherent issue with that i mean three i tend to think of a standard and four you know maybe you're spread a bit thin and i assume these are like starting characters at like 120 yeah okay then yeah Yeah. that's spread a bit too Uh, thin it's it's a bit too thin and it's sort of like okay one of them is a day trader who is obsessed with romantic comedies and that's it it, it's weird. I, this sounds like a character for. that would have been randomly generated by that one thing that you made a while back. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, exactly. That's what it sort of felt like. It felt like... Well, it, the problem with these characters is like... Well, this one in particular, I'll use this one as an example, is that um, it needs to be brought together holistically into like one package. Yeah. It's sort of not. I mean, I kind of like having a bunch of disparate people when like that one connection is a shared goal of fucking over a mutual enemy. That, that, that's, I, I think that can kind of work, you know, provided you give them a proper amount of specificity. And the key thing is, all right, if they have a shared enemy, that shared enemy needs concrete goals to push back against. They, 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 yeah. they need something that they are trying to achieve, something concrete, that the players are like, no, fuck this guy, we aren't going to let this happen. Yeah, agreed. I think that, like, fuck this guy is good if there's, like, a really strong... Like it would be, it would. I think it would be improved if there was like a, like a, a detailed, uh, like ideological dispute about like the whole thing is they don't want this guy taking over the young practical. Yeah, the whole truly evil. The whole organization seems like, kind of frustratingly vague. And their goals. I think there's a which there's to a be core fair, interesting to be there. fair, a lot of activist organizations could have that same. <laughs> Could have that same criticism leverage against them. But they're not, they're not an activist organization. That's what Hovat seems to want. He wants to, like, his noble stimulus is wishes to the powerless in society can become strong enough to take what they need. See, I, um, I kind of like that. And have... I'd like him to have, like, some sort of concrete goal where it's like, all right, I want to I, I wanna shape the young practicals in, like, a more positive direction that's not just, you know, totally selfish because, one... It's going to lead to us splitting apart eventually into bickering, and two, it's going to draw the attention of other power players at some point, right? Right, right. And then the player characters are like, no, fuck this guy. I don't care if what he's doing is like going to improve the world. We got to take him out. Yeah, because he's a dick. Yeah. For, for, he did a bunch of dickish things to us. Yeah. One of whom is, like, a couple of things were deliberately fucking yeah, with them. Yeah, yeah. And one of them, but, like, there's some that are just, like, he happened to say something that made, <laughs> like, there's one character who is, like, a, a drug dealer, like, um, avatar yeah. of the uh, Two-Faced Man. And his grudge against Hovac is, Hovac discreetly asked Greeny to get some pain pills a few weeks ago. He couldn't find any, so Hovat teased him hard for being the most incompetent drug dealer in town. <laughs> to prove Hovat wrong, he broke into the home of his supplier and stole a bunch of fentanyl. It was earmarked for the four quarter lords who beat the supplier into brain damage and a respirator. And it's like, Hovat did nothing! <laughs> that like he, he gave you shit and now you're blaming him. Because you got this guy beaten into a coma, um, and that it, it, that's fine if they were all kind of like that, if they were like um, uh, like flawed characters. But there's another one where like Hovat like deliberately fucks with someone and gets someone killed, and it's like maybe I I, I would like it more if Hovat was just like nah, he's a good guy, but these characters are all shit. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that that's sort of the thing with a lot of these is they they a lot of them kind of just lack finer detail, the sort of things that make you that like make something memorable, and yeah. they are tend to be very confused on what they're trying to be. Yeah. And I think yeah. those are two connected issues. It's like, okay, if you don't know what you're trying to be, if you don't have a strong sense of identity for a creative project, it's going to be kind of hard to make something that isn't just frustratingly vague. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, half of this is, like... I can see half of the campaign is, like, running around trying to find, like, clues at the Caravan Taboo, which is basically yeah. the swap meet, but in, in, with a different name. And there's a bunch of, like... There's a there's a sleeper, and there's a there's a cop, and there's all this pushback and things. See, it I like, like that because like a, a, a cool resolution of this campaign would be like, all right, the players have decided, fuck Novak so hard that we're willing to take down this entire organization if it means taking him out, yeah. right? So like they they get, bring the sleepers yeah. on this and bring the blue line in and sick him on the young yeah, practicals sure. because fuck Novak. That's it. Yeah. If, if the objective was just fuck Novak, fuck, fuck Hovak rather, that's fine. And it's just like this is like uh, the the sort of the scenario style or the yeah. campaign style that um, Kate hates the most, which is like the dirt bags. But like, have one where they're just the dirt bags. They're not yeah, trying to do yeah. Anything. Like the sense I got from the campaign starter kits is that like the, these were like stretch goals on the Kickstarter. So. This was stuff that was... I'd imagine there's, like, a decent amount of communication between all the writers that worked on these. Of, like, all right, let's 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 try to... What's everyone working on? Uh, and maybe, like, okay, if some people are filling this niche and kind of style of campaign, then let's have other people work on a campaign that's more like this. Though the maybe. other sense I got was, like, far as uh, the Kickstarter goes, it was basically just... Atlas took pitches from people that were interested in writing something and, you know, had a certain degree of pedigree uh, for hitting deadlines and whatnot, and basically took whatever people wanted to write. With, I guess, probably to a certain degree, the framing device of, like, problems for those towards the bottom of society. Which is fine. Yeah. It's good. It's a good... um... And, you know, sometimes the people at the bottom of society are shitheads just like anyone else. I just feel that these were all kind of half baked. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, they could have done. <laughs> that's that's an issue. They could have like like been like, "This is a nice draft, but like this needs to be tightened up conceptually yeah. Yeah. and thematically." Yeah. So let's move on. Let's move on. We got we got a few more to go through. Uh, how do I do Derby? Right, so, how do I do Derby Girls? Because you've covered the last. Oh, uh, let's 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 do Derby Girls. Okay, so Derby Girls Destroy DC is um, campaign starter kit by. One, uh, Philomena Young, who, um, yep. I looked into her past works, um, mostly, like, Chronicles of Darkness stuff, seems like, uh, more known by some sure. people as New Makes World sense. of Darkness. Uh, when I saw a campaign referred to as a chronicle in the text, that kind of really gave hey. that away. <laughs> hey, no, that's, I like that, that's Um, fun. and basically the setup is... There are a bunch of roller derby girls, plus one journalist that follows them, who operate in the Washington, D.C. area. And some of them, their leader especially, uh, has become convinced that a conspiracy of reptoids have infiltrated the highest corridors of power. And the the goal is to look into this and, on some level, root out the reptoid menace. The objective is... Get enough information on the reptoids to prove, at least internally, that they're totally a real thing. Again, this is a frustratingly vague objective with no real concrete endpoint. It would be funny if it was like, because you have that one character, like they're all uh, roller derby ladies, except the um, 
photojournalist. Yeah. Um, it would be funny if it was just like get enough information to prove to Nancy that there's reptoids and have Ramsey as one of the characters. Yeah. That's, that's funny. That creates sure, a dynamic. That, that's a good one again. Uh, like, okay, if you're going to have something focused on investigation and gathering information, the objective needs to be convince someone or a group of people or whatever that like, hey... This stuff is actually happening, as opposed to just gather vague amount of information until objective meter is filled. And there's some yeah. details in here that I like. Okay, I like all, all the Derby girls have, like, innuendo-laden conspiracy theory names. Like, the leader Perfect. is great. Dana Skull E. You have Foxy Muffler. You have Area 69. Like, yeah, that's solid. I, I enjoy yeah. that. Rosewell endowed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 cute. Yes, I agree. And that's what's good about it. It's it's cute. This does seem like a roller derby team. Like a, a lot of the like bits of details, like the finer details, um, that really pop in this scenario tend to be roller derby related, <laughs> as opposed to like sure the setting, which is like DC is a great place to run an unknown armies game, and. Pretty sure. much all of the stuff on there is, like, either super obvious or just very, like, cursory glance. Like, stuff. Like there's, like, a, a half of a column at one point given, like, oh, yeah, the White House is haunted. The Lincoln Memorial is also haunted. No, if you go well, into the just pool like in front of the Washington Monument, you go somewhere else. It's like, no, I want, I want more details of the, like, famous U.S. landmarks and their occult significance. This is like that that shit that's easy to come up with myself. I know, but it's it's fine it was added in there uh, just to like sort of bulk it yeah. out, add more rumors and things. I didn't mind that. It was all like it was like adding a few what you hears yeah. uh, diegetically. But I think you need a I, the, the, my issue there is they're all so fucking obvious. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No twists. Like if you if you want to include a few of those, have yeah, have something that isn't just like so anyone that I mean, could immediately come up with. Like, oh yeah, of yeah. course the fucking White House is haunted. Like, that that's a very well-known urban legend. Give it a bit more spice. Yeah, exactly. I, what I like about the description of the characters and in terms of, like, role... Yeah, no, I, I thought I thought the is, player kickers had solid personalities. But I like the fact that, like, they've got for Dana, they've got Dana is the pivot of the team, which means her job is to call the plays and lead the others to victory. I'm like, well, that's useful information to someone who doesn't know fuck all about Roller Derby, but that's, underst I understand. Yeah, the Derby shit in here is actually pretty solid. It's someone that's, like, been to a couple of derbies. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, okay. okay. You can tell that the writer actually probably knows a lot about Roller Derby. And it, right. it shows. And, it again, that those finer details are what provide a what spice the scenario does the starter kit does have right yep yep agreed and you know there, there's some cool like character conflict shit like all right you know some of the player characters are fucking each other one of them's like a total anarcho-feminist another one's like into becoming a like basically a a trophy wife and getting like influence in dc by marrying someone rich and influential, so there's of course going to be conflict there. That's solid. I like that. I, I like that a lot. Um, the journalist is kind of bland. 
Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the journalist, the journalist is kind of bland to the point where, like, the journalist almost seems like an afterthought compared to the other four. That's why I, 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 yeah, that's why having her as the one you have to convince makes it a bit more interesting. Like, yeah. becomes the foil. Yeah, yeah. Maybe having them as having them so boring. I like your idea of having her more as like an NPC that needs to be convinced. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, NPC. Yeah, it can or... work in either role. But I, I, I do like the goal of like, all right, convince the most boring person you know that reptilians have infiltrated the halls of the American government. Well, she's meant to be like wanting to um, have a whole shelf of bullets as she wants yeah, to. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I get you. A big I scoop. She wants a scoop. Yeah, but... So collecting the information for her to, like, launch her scoop about reptoids in America. Sure, but in the, 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 I guess that's the thing there. It's, like, it's unfortunate how boring she is because the idea of a person whose goal to earn a Pulitzer is exposing the reptilian conspiracy, that's an interesting person. That should be an interesting human being. Or, or you go the other direction and she's one of those people who's like a... A, a magical tampering sort of person sure. that they don't even know about sure. it and like you have to like get around it somehow because usually that's kind of annoying uh, it's kind of like um, I've used yeah. it but it's like eh yeah. in games but if it's like a, a big point of it you like we have to somehow get around her like um, accidental skeptic like uh, Scully style skeptic um, like we talked about in the previous episode uh, something that was interesting to me was like how much of the character descriptions were dedicated to describing their bodies. Did you, did you notice that well, too? Let me see. Maybe. Like, like uh, each of them get like a good couple sentences describing their figure. Oh yeah. Okay, I see. Uh, nothing. Nothing wrong I with agree. that. I she's agree. I agree. She's gristle and spite. Yeah. Come no, on. I, I honestly, nothing I honestly enjoyed the character descriptions of Paramount. But <laughs> yeah, now that's. Perhaps it's a hypocritical on my part, but if I didn't know a a woman was writing this, I would that, those descriptions would definitely be raising some eyebrows for me. Yeah, but look, just there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with no, that. Not that there's uh, anything wrong with that. What I think, Rose is all tits ass. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> it's great. It's great. Nothing. It's. Like, these are all over girls. Yeah, problems. no, exactly. Like, you know, uh, in a way, this is and relevant. Complex characters, uh, I, damn it! I kind of wish there was like more of the derby shit because kind of the the meat and potatoes of the scenario, the uh, starter kit itself. I keep calling it a fucking scenario. Um, I'm too fucking like mythos gaming like brain. Is like about investigating like CD bars that like assistance to senators and fixers and shit. Congregate at. And it's like, all right, sure, that's kind of cool. But like, I also kind of, you know, I, I want a scene where, like, one of the fucking girls is chasing after, like, a car full skate gear, like, hanging off the edge of a limo or something, right? Yeah. But that could totally happen, uh, like, organically in a Sure, campaign, sure. But, like, yeah, uh, I guess, you know, give... You, you know, I think the scenario could use a bit more outdoor environments and just environments in general that are... Especially well suited towards the use of rollerblades or roller skates, I guess. These aren't rollerblades. What should happen is that the cam that the campaign should culminate in a derby battle 
with the reptiles. Absolutely. Um, with 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 reptile tits because of course snake tits. What's the word for them? Snits. snits yes. They have their snits, snits uh, but they're the males actually. The, yeah. the, the, the males have the snits, uh, of course, um, and they. Uh, yeah, it's it's a battle. Well, that's the worst uh, part. Is the battle. conclusion to the starter kit just straight up says, "Are they actually reptoids? I don't know." And then, like, this is what I mean by being like just frustratingly vague. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can do what you want. Yeah, you, you can do what you want. It's like you you don't you, you don't make a game tool more usable by making it more vague. I understand the idea is to kind of give it right. broader applicability, but if players right. already have the buy-in for this extremely specific campaign setup then you should also have a specific conclusion in mind. Especially when the objective right. is, in of itself, getting information on what these things are. I, I, I feel that it's kind of like, these campaign starter kits kind of feel like, um, like a, a HelloFresh box, but missing things. Yeah, I get what you like mean. It's, it's, you got this meal kit, but like like important things you have to source yourself. Yeah. Or there's like, well, you can like, this is a very, like, this is, imagine this. Yeah. Um, the, the vagueness and like, I think part of it is to try to make it more applicable. I think the other part of it though is just like um, deadlines. Like there, there's certain cases when I was reading these where like, a greater degree, it felt more like the writer knew what they were talking about, right? Like, they, they, they gave interesting details that felt like, okay, either this person has personal experience with this stuff, or they've really done their research. And sure. I tend to skew more towards the former, because, frankly, I think the extremely tight deadlines of role-playing games often really hinder the ability to do the latter. Maybe. Yeah. I I was talking about this with uh, some buddies recently. I think this is like the root of like a lot of like the issues with like Orientalism. A lot of role playing game supplements have when they're like, oh, let's do a uh, let's do a Asia fantasy supplement or let's do a Africa or Middle East fantasy supplement where it just ends up being like most broad stroke tropey (laughs) examples of this sort of shit. And like I think a lot yeah, of that because, is because research is often hard. It's like, hard and time-consuming, and shit, when you need oh, to have like yes. fifty thousand words out in five months, you don't have the time to do that. So you stick with what yeah. you already kind of know, which is you know fucking Aladdin, uh, <laughs> Journal of the West. Yeah, and then also you don't know like uh, sometimes like the way things are presented. Like if you wrote, if they're just gonna throw in a bunch of Journey to the West yeah. tropes, yeah. right? That's actually nothing. There's nothing wrong no. with that. Actually, and only the West is hugely influential. But that, you're not mixing that with like the, Enter the, the Dragon and what you remember from watching Shogun reruns back sure. in like the mid '90s. Yeah, and um, reading Lone Wolf and I Cub. Think that's fine if you're. That's fine if you're running Feng Shui. I think because that's kind <laughs> yeah, of the vibe. Right. But. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, it's meant to be. Like, I don't know. Yeah, feng shui is as much like that sort of shit as like fucking um, John Woo stuff. Which you know, it's not like John Woo is like super researched, but the fact that it, he born and raised in Hong Kong makes his use of Hong Kong feel a lot more authentic. And it's it's an interesting invert of sure. that because like when you see his stuff like Face Off, 
Face-Off ends up feeling, like, hilariously ungrounded. Sure. I mean, that's what makes it good. See, it's not bad, It's though. not bad, necessarily. It's not bad. Well, when that's, like... I think people get fixated on those details because it's, like, they're so used to the broad-stroke tropey version, trope-laden versions of it coming from people that don't know their stuff. They tend to think, all right, the way to fix sure. this is to know your stuff. And say it will, it often doesn't fix as many of the issues as I think it will, but it does at least help it stand... That greater degree of verisimilitude does tend to help it stand out. Look, look, I, I, like, there is something to be said. Like, you sometimes you want um, the authentic dish yes. that's been well prepared, well researched, and sometimes you want General Tso's chicken. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I agree with you wholeheartedly. The key thing is to know what you're ordering, right? To know what you're yes, preparing. Yes, exactly. Everything has its place. I mean, like. Among my like vast collection of hot sauces on my kitchen table, one of the the most commonly used is this um, Szechuan chutney, which is absolutely not authentic. It's Indian Chinese nice, food, nice. but it's delicious and it's, it's yeah, the best yeah. on eggs. It's so good. <laughs> well, in a way that ends up being novel, because when you're really, when when you're really used to like the American or Australian or British spin on Chinese food, right? It can be interesting to be like, all right, what's the Indian spin on Chinese food? Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Like, even for me, like... Is this authentic? No, not at all. But it's, like, not accurate in a different way for a different palate. Exactly. Like, that's why I got really excited years ago. Yeah. Because I'm used to, like, Australianized Chinese food, which is not authentic. But, like, there are things which I like. Um... And then there, then when I was in, um, where was I? I was in Korea on the, on the old, on the U.S. military base, stuck in a food court, um, and I saw like American Chinese food place, and I'm like, oh, American Chinese food, and it was like, oh, this is delicious, exotic delicacies from the far west. Yes, yes, of course, yes, exactly. That was my logic. I'm I was imagining like, oh, I've never you had this as the fucking uh, as that guy from like the Continental Breakfast Keen Peel sketch. Yes, that's basically exactly. what I'm imagining. But look, this, this, that was a time period of my life where I'd been to China like yeah. five or six times. I'd eaten authentic Chinese food many times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted American Chinese food. And how, how does it differ from Australian Chinese food? I think that Australian Chinese food is a bit more influenced by southeast asian chinese food that would make sense um, that would make a lot chinese of sense. restaurants are run by malaysians and things mm-hmm. um different sort of stuff it's i'd have to like do a full I, I think american chinese food is like a bit sweeter sometimes and there's certain dishes that we don't have yeah there. we put so much fucking sugar in that crab yeah so do we with certain things but it just I, I i all i have to do is like see like go if i go to a food court and look at it. I'm just like, okay, that's American Chinese food. This is Australian Chinese food. Oh, right, this is Chinese Chinese food. I'd ima- I'm imagining what you guys call like Chinese food in Australia would have a lot of overlap with what we call like Thai food. Nah, yes, yo. Well, I would, I would, I say no, but there's plenty of places that do both. So yes, but that's also yeah, but like Thai well. food, uh. Thai food is also in no way authentic. It's like fried rice, but this time with pineapple. Hey, another one with that. So yeah, Derby Girls, I like it, and many like I like bits of it. I wouldn't use it. Um, yeah. but I like the characters. They, I, they have like flavor to them. Um, I wish the there was player characters have more. flavor to them. The NPCs are kind of broadly drawn yeah. bland a lot of the time. Yeah, which sure. is unfortunate. I like 
there's so much you can do with like reptilian political operator in yeah. Washington DC, right? I mean, I think like one of the big flaws with this scenario just comes from the foundation of the fuck. I keep calling this scenario. One of the big flaws with this starter kit comes from the foundation of they just don't have a solid answer for what these guys are. We know they're weird in yeah. some way. We see them like peeling, peeling off their faces and shit. Yeah, but like we we don't know the details of what they actually fucking are. And if you the fucking writer have a solid answer for that, then you can give a lot more interesting details. For the bad guys' behavior and shit, and what their plans sure. are. Do they ever give? I can't remember. Do they ever give an explanation for why their friend's face got bitten off? No, not really. I mean, that, I find it interesting considering that uh, how that that schmuck was all angry at me for like the fact we were talking about like um, the the whole um, girlfriend in the fridge like as a as a character motivator and yeah. like two of these campaign starter kits have with like our female friend is dead we must like use that to like uh solve the mystery like this is the second one on top of uh people uh, tend Highway. to be less sensitive about fridging i know like i think fridging has been a bit broadened past its original thing because fridging originally meant sure. was like all right the main character's girlfriend or and or wife is killed, yeah. and that's what spurs yeah. their their hero's journey. It, you know, which, in a way, isn't really applicable to any role playing games by the virtue of the fact that, all right, the these have larger casts than yeah, most exactly. media, and it's like, and I guess you could do a thing where like you are all married to this person that died, but that that Absolutely. see that's already an interesting spin in and of itself, right? You guys were in a polycule together, and. The core of the Kuehl died. What do you do? One of my things that go... You have go a couple of like, Kuehl scenarios in there, I think. Of course. My favorite one is where there was like, someone's taken our bull. Um, yes, and you're all... <laughs> all the cucks are, like, sad. Anyway. I would say that out of these campaigns that are kids, I think Derby Girls has... Uh, I, at least is interesting. At least it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's yeah, yeah. I, I think of the ones we discussed so far, it's still disappointing because in terms of like potential, potential, in terms of potential, I think my favorite is Young Practicals. Mostly just okay. Let's just go from the angle of all the player characters are hilariously petty. Sure, sure. All right, let's move on though. Yeah, let's go so so we can finish this. Up. Let's go to um, Sacred Farmer. All right, I like that name a lot. By the way, I think it's a good name. Written by Kira McGran. Uh multi-award winning tabletop role-playing game and LARP designer. Um, oh. Queer, non-binary human and snake friend living in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, the Vidicio page and all these things. A lot of kind of, I guess, uh, lefty-leaning story gamey stuff, for lack of a better way of putting it. Yeah, and that kind of comes through a bit in this, in a way... But um, not as much as some other ones. It, it's there. It's definitely there in Derby Girls too. Sure, I think. But you know, there's definitely like some conflict there. Like, okay, the anarcho, the fear passion of the anarcho feminist is like, hey, wait, a, what if all this fire and brimstone doesn't actually help things? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> With Sacred Farmer, um, the Cabal, they're all the same magic school. Uh, Crucimancers, which is interesting, but it's, it does take a while to get actually get into that. They are um, 
they perform strange body magic on themselves for mystical solutions to their biggest problems, and they're fighting the system of Big Pharma that's refused to help them. Um, their objective is insanely like broad. Uh, it's tear down the corrupt, capitalist, occult-backed institution of the healthcare system in Philadelphia, which translates mainly to dealing with uh, some fucked up uh, culty shit. Uh, not culty shit. Um, unnatural. Well, at shit. least they at least they fucking limited it to a single city. Um, and I don't mind like doing that. It's like it's a big. I don't mind like aiming high. Yeah, but that's like a good. I know that's like a good global level objective. I think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely. gotta you you gotta hit a local objective before you go to that one. I think. And that that is also um that there's ways you could rejigger this to like fit that because the the first like antagonist is a single a natural entity called the leech which is drawing power it maybe once was human uh, sucking power out of like sucking uh, the energy out of um, people that uh, are in hospital um, like an energy vampire sort of thing um, uh-huh, sure. and they've got a whole bunch of um, uh, these cannibal spirits which are like basically like major fiends and they basically all um, that operates in a single hospital and as a, like a local objective that's pretty cool uh, starting mm-hmm. off as East Underwood hospital yeah uh, an underfunded hospital with this fucking thing in it which is torturing patients and there's tortured ghosts of patients who died here unjustly there that's that's i think that is a solid like local objective no absolutely it- dealing with that like that that's a solid setup with a actionable objective that can be written for it that's right but then it sort of like it leads into it leads to a larger investigation of an organization called Star Pharmaceuticals, which is like it's it's described as a like a health cult, um, but it's kind of a little bit um, like there's a an avatar of the shaman involved that's trying to change the way healthcare is conceived, and there's like a a, a bad guy called Jillian Sharp, and she—I don't know. It's—it's not clear what. They, it's clear they're up to no good, but exactly what they're up to go good is not entirely clear. They're mainly. Why do all of these villains just have vague goals? They're—they're they're bad in the fact that they're a company and that they um, profit. They, their main interest in is profit, um, but also there's an occult element which is not clear. Really. Yeah, I know. Uh, like, g- give them some sort of concrete, may not even like a goal, but like something that they are concretely doing that is negative, right? Give bit... them some sort of project, right? Give them some sort yeah, of fucking some... project. <laughs> something, yes. They, and it's interesting because, like, the Star Pharmaceuticals, they sort of like, um, they're led, like, the, the way that the players end up. Uh, going from dealing with the leech in the hospital to dealing with star pharmaceuticals is sort of pre is like um foreshadowed by like star pharmaceuticals sending these things called toothy suits which are like these unnatural entities which have these crazy smiles which are fine they're, they're fine as an unnatural entity but like they're they they know that the the pcs are on their trails so they're like they smash up their like place of residence and like they cause trouble for the PCs before the PCs have even really figured them out. So I don't know. It's sort of like why not? That'd be good like know. a blowback section, but a bit uh, much it's to sort open of leading. Already. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of leading. It is. I don't know. There's a lot in here which is kind of cool. I would just say that like it would be better if it was just like 
if, if it wasn't a campaign starter kit, if it was like, here's one scenario about dealing with the leech and here's another scenario, or a, like a setup at least, a description of yeah. these fucking bad guys, Star Pharmaceutical, which is like, yeah, like a, a pharmaceutical company dealing, like, like that's got occult backing is a solid, like, villain, I think. Um, but what it loses a lot from is that they have included a really crazy and really cool uh, magic system called Crucimancy, uh, which is similar to Epiromancy in a way. Um, it's more about, it's like uh, gaining magical power from body alteration. Okay, so in certain ways, the opposite of Epiromancy, because it's like, the, their whole thing is they can't consent to having their body altered, right? Yeah, yeah. But they, uh, Crucimancers, they get, if they get a minor charge from having altering their body with a wound, a decoration, a surgery, an implant, an ingestion of an altering substance or something beyond what human yeah. what human people normally do with their bodies. And while a significant charge is making a major alternation, uh, alteration like ha- uh, pulling out teeth, replacing a wo- uh, an eyeball, or taking a dangerous amount of drugs, um, things like that. And then a major charge is uh, like a huge alteration of the adept's whole body, like replacing skin with tree bark, or like changing yourself into a different person. I guess how would adepts? I mean, this sounds like it differs that much from epidemiomancy, except I guess like you can. I mean, epidemiomancy specifically has to be harm. This is a bit broader in yeah. that regard. And epidemiomancy also, you can't have someone else do that alteration to your body. It has to be yourself. Well, it can be if someone else does it. It's okay if someone else does it to you. As long as, like, it's not with your consent. Because the taboo for Crucimancy is that the Crucimancer's body can never be normal. So they can't seek health from this by the standards of uh, medical establishment or confine themselves to gender roles or perfect previous, previously known masteries of the human body is already this accomplished. This just sounds like a broader yeah. version of Epidemomancy. That's a, that's, a pretty, that's, a, that's a weird taboo. You cannot do anything normal. <laughs> you cannot be normal. Oh, um, uh, what? They cannot yeah, purposefully that's... try to conform their body to any dominant status quo. Their body cannot be average. Well, that's too broad. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like, no, like, I, I, I dig the idea of like a body modification at Ep School that's distinct from a Pederomancy. I do like the idea that you, you can't... This um, place might be desired, I think. I don't know. There's some of the spells are fun though. Um, a very simple spell: uh, hand feet. Turn, one minor charge. Turn your hands into feet, or your feet into hands, or any combination of those options. Fucking solid spell. <laughs> that's that's all you need. I can think of many uses for the hands. Some of them aren't even sexual. That's right. Um, my issue with it is it because it is about body modification, but yeah. it also. Um, because it combines. I mean, wait, does it imply that using that spell also gives you a charge? Because, like, how no. other, how else are you going to get replace your skin with tree bark if not through magic? I guess it's someone else's magic, maybe? No, I think... Well, I don't know. Um, yeah, let's let's not get into the finer details of Pederomancy in related schools. Maybe, maybe it's like changing your whole body into, like, um, like that cat man or the guy, the British guy that became the K-pop star and then became a right-wing pundit. Yeah. The problem is it's like some of it seeds very body focused and some of it's about drugs and some of it's about um and this comes through in a way with the uh the characters which mm-hmm. are I feel like the the the, the PCs uh, don't really dig into like the possibilities of a bunch of body mod weirdos like one of them Genesis Daniels 
she just takes the wrong amount of insulin all the time. <laughs> like she does, like she that's it. Like that's how she practices cruciferous. Is she takes insulin wrongly? But I don't know. It's kind of it's sort of disappointing. I mean, that's that's a cool kind of adept, but I more like imagine an adept that like their whole thing is like overdosing on medicine. Like someone that takes so much vitamin C supplements that they start vomiting. Technically, that would be something that you charge with cruciferous as written. Yeah, but it seems like cruciferous is a bit too broad. Like it sounds like it's trying to do a cu- a bit too many different things, and in the process, doesn't end up really having right, yeah. a strong idea for either. Because like, all right, this is just. A slightly different. Uh, it, it just sounds like broader epideromancy. Yeah, uh, you've got uh, Hesu Park, who is who just is a pharmacist who takes like random combinations of pharmaceuticals. Again, see that's sort of fun. I, I would love to see like a pharmaceuticals themed adept. I've thought about that idea myself to a certain degree. It's sort of like just like put under this Grusimancy banner. Yeah, which is a pity. We've got Antoine Pierce, who is a genderqueer black person who is a basically a cyborg. Replace their organs with um, homemade, it seems, replacements. Uh, replacements That's cool! That's but this cool. also That's sounds it. like an epideromancer. Yeah, well, this is different, because this is leading into the body modding elements of it. I mean, epideromancer can still body mod, they just do it themselves. It, I mean, fucking the freak's chain leg fe- fence around their ribcage. That's a body mod, bro. True, true. Then we have Lucia Morgan, who is a contortionist with um fibromyalgia uh, which is interesting so they like All right. and they they contort That's their body a, yeah. into way into forms that it cannot be formed um I, I would imagine having chronic pain would not go well with contortionism but that's an interesting. That's where you get. That's yeah, why there. Yeah. That's why she's an adept. I and listen, listen. If you got power over your own body through magic, just remove your pain receptors, bro. Easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I guess, you know, I guess there's something to be said of like, okay, we don't know where chronic pain and fibromyalgia, fibromyalgia comes from. So, like, removing the pain receptors from your skin probably isn't going to do a whole lot. Though that's kind of fun of, like, person with chronic pain. Right, it's not fun for them, but an interesting character. Like, person with chronic pain that can't feel pain from outside stimulus. Ooh. That's interesting. That's dangerous. That's terrible. Yeah. That's the worst of both worlds. <laughs> really? uh, then we have Callista Ray, who um, they are 22-year-old, gender-fluid Latinx, uh, covered in piercing. They're like a shaman. They just take a lot of right. ayahuasca. That's that's how they... That's you it. You and me both, like, girl. That, that's, Is that, that's, that doesn't uh, make you special. It does, like... Does that give her... Hey, hey, is hey. that like one of her identities? Is like she gets rituals from ayahuasca? Or excuse me, they? They are a witch as well. Um, yeah, they, that's a second one character like that in one of these. Derby Girls uh, also has a character that's just a witch. And gets like rituals from it and shit. You gotta, you gotta have a, a good like balancing sort of identity to like make the witch more interesting. Something how the witch Yeah, also. Yeah, I mean like, I don't know. I, I a lot of these have issues. I think with just being like, listen, I, I've also hung out with like queer people. These ju- like these aren't like, especially like out there individuals that associate they call underground. They're just like people that I've you know shared smokes with at parties, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've ta- I, I've had my tarot done at a party too, right? Like that's I know you know like a lot of people like that witchy shit yeah. is a part of corner or start of their identity but i i feel like more of these should 
emphasize sort of like the culture clash that comes from someone that's like into witchy shit through like hexes and crystals and candles and tarot and shit encountering like adepts and the fucked up occult underground stuff you could even have it as all just like a whole cabal just made up of witches that have different interpretations of what being a witch is yeah that would um, be great <laughs> two different right like two different types of wiccans and maybe more traditional like bruja or something like that's a good, and then they're also encountering the occult underground as as it be so um yeah that would be sure that would be fun but you know yeah i think it's worth emphasizing the again uh culture clash that happens there from like oh this is what i thought the occult was turns out it's actually drinking yourself into a stupor so you can control luck and and, and it should be introduced like that like yeah the the witches are like have like drinking uh, or like yeah. discussing magic and arguing and then you have just this fedora wearing diplomats to turn around and say like i'm actually um and that starts the whole adventure yep uh, and that Dipsomancer that, that, that's a, a hell of a character right there <laughs> two identities Dipsomancer or Reddit Atheist no Dipsomancer and Gentleman um, oh god <laughs> Pre- feature provides blade attacks oh no oh no um, but then you make him the friendly NPC you twist it around he's, he's insufferable but he's yes he's, he's so insufferable but helpful <laughs> yes that's right he needs to be taught. Anyway, I do like the... I think that the magic school is a bit half-baked and combines different things. I think there's nothing wrong with that, but it needs... I don't know. It's the cool spells. Uh, I you know. Worst like, comes uh, to worst, I guess. You can just steal those for fucking an Epidermancer you're playing. Like, hand, hands, feet, that's a good spell for an Epidermancer. <laughs> true, true. I know. I think there is an argument to be made for this spell as being for this uh, school rather being distinct yeah, from sure, Epidermancy. Sure. I think but... you should split like body modification and like pharmace- pharmacological shit into their own schools. I think both of those have like enough. I like the idea of someone's like, yeah, I take too much insulin on purpose. That's a cool little character thing. I can't get over hand feet. Um, that, no, that's a great spell. That is a great <laughs> spell. Well done. Well done, Kira. Anyway, um, there is a lot to like, actually, in this particular one. I think it would be better served not as a campaign starter kit, but something else. Um, I think that it wouldn't be too hard to... Like, I, for me, I would take these characters, like, at the basis of them, and sort of, like, upgrade them a bit, make them weirder and crazier. Um, yeah. Keep the, like, the core concepts pretty much the same. Like, say, they've all already done some fucked up... Like, they've they've already all had at least one major charge each and, like, just completely... They, they, they're... Like, make them real weird. Make them real weird. We've got one who's well, a cyborg, that, that's which sort is cool. that's a question worth interrogating, I think. Um, I think we can agree that our sensibilities both skew, like, hey, we want our player characters to be weird as fuck. Right? Do you think that's an inherent, like, that they aren't weird enough as a flaw? I think that you don't have to make them weird, but you have to make them, work, like, something that people will look at and go, wow, what a character, Agreed. I'm going to play Agreed. that. Agreed. Interesting. They don't need to have, like, some crazy thing they do ritualistically or whatever. Like, you can do, you can have great characters with entirely mundane identities. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite examples from Oddies and Udlings, which we'll be getting into in a little bit, 
is the NPC of just the guy obsessed with being the fastest man in the world by any means necessary. Just running as fast as possible. Yeah, that that, that character is great. Like, yeah, he can't enter the Olympics because he does a fuck ton of performance-enhancing drugs. But, uh, you know, he is the fastest man alive. Solid. Straightforward, but uh, yeah. lovely. Wonderful concept. I mean, that, that's a really good way of, like, making a character that stands out. Give them an interesting obsession and really dial in on that. That's what this game's about. It's about obsessions, right? None, and frankly speaking, none of the... You know, none of the pre-gen characters we've been given here seem all that obsessed. I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe Dana Scully and Derby Girls, but like that's about it. Yeah, this is a game about obsession and desire. Yeah. Um, and when you give it, and when you give me things like fucking Genesis is obsessed with trying to program her own body. Yesu yeah. is obsessed with finding the unlocked potential of the human mind. It's like, yeah, yeah that's the... Uh... They're, they're too broad. They're too broad. They're too vague. Here's another idea, right? Here's an idea for back for fucking um, Heroin Highway, right? All right. What if you handle that by each of them are addicts, but each of them handle addiction in a different way mechanically? Yeah. That, that. So like one of them is like obsessed with obsessed with doing fentanyl, right? Like that's that, that's their reason for existing. They fucking love fentanyl. Another one is like, okay, they're really scared of not scoring because they need this shit to function. Um, that's an, okay. That's that's a good point. Like, just like their addiction replaces their obsession. Like, they can flip flop. You might have like your old obsession still there, but it's like crossed yeah. out, and it's something you care about. But yeah. like, if you want to fucking flip, if you want to use your obsession to flip flop roles, it's you have to. Your obsession is, I want to get high, or I want to beat someone up, or I want to yeah. take a drink, or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's in pretty... which case it it would be like, all right, you can only flip flop if you have recently done your substance of choice. No, you can only flip flop if you you're trying to get your substance of choice or your activity of choice or whatever you're addicted. To. Okay, I guess he, he, here's maybe this is a bit cartoony, but the the ones I have in mind is you can only flip flop when you're trying to pursue it or when you have very recently partaken. Maybe which again it's a bit cartoony maybe, because maybe... the situation this uh, reminds me of like. Popeye with spinach, but you know they're Nothing fucking downing. <laughs> they're fucking you downing. Don't, you don't, don't think Popeye was an addict? I mean, he was very high functioning. If he was, he was, he was. So what? Admittedly, I do kind of like the setup of like, oh man, I'm about to do something risky and stressful. Better pop a, better cop a, pop, pop a couple fent beforehand. That's good. I think that's solid, right? It's like, all right, doing this does increase my uh, likelihood of succeeding. But then the thing is, what what happens is you double that up with the penalties you get from, like, taking fentanyl, right? Like, you can flip-flop, yeah. but you're going to be taking yeah. an overarching skill penalty. Yeah, that's interesting. That works. But yeah, may, like, that, that's a cool set for a cabal. A cabal where they're all addicts and how their addiction manifests mechanically, their relationship with their shared drug of choice is different. That works. And that's... And that really should be how it works. All right, all right. Are we happy with uh, Sacred Farmer? Yeah, it's Sacred Farmer. Again, like, I, I think um, the sort of overarching issue that we have with these is they tend to be a bit too vague. and They're, they're just yeah. too nebulous of like, okay, what's everyone's objectives? Nebulous. What are the... What's everyone's obsessions? Nebulous. What's everyone's... What are the milestones? Nebulous or dubiously related to the overarching objective a lot of these just really don't have a strong sense of identity well they the, yeah they do have identities but like 
Like, I feel a lot of these, none of them are complete stinkers. Or maybe, yeah, strong sense, uh, and I agree. Like, all these have something cool worth taking from them. Um, yeah. All these, with all the ones you've been going over, there's been at least one idea that's like, oh, I like that. Let's, what could be done with that? But sure. um, it, it's not lack of identity. It's, um, I guess, they don't have a strong idea of creative purpose. Yeah. Which I guess, honestly, we can get, maybe get on this a bit later. But I think that's, to a certain degree, a overarching problem with the campaign starter kit concept Model. in general. Yeah, I agree. Wholeheartedly. saying that we're ruled by giant lizards.